Hello, denim heads, and welcome to episode three of the Sons of Selvage, a new podcast where a group of friends get together to talk about denim and related interests. Each episode will cover the following things, current interests, what we've been up to lately, news, happenings within the denim industry, discussion topic. This episode, we'll talk about small and independent craft makers that we love, and Q&A section, answering any questions you send our way. So you've met the founders of the podcast in the first and second episode. Let's do a quick roll call. Uh, starting with myself, I'm David. Hi, I'm Andy. Hi, Alexis here. Hey, it's Kevin. I'm Ilya. And it's Tom last. <laughs> all right. Don't worry if you don't remember all of our names. We'll still try and remind you who we are throughout the podcast. All right, Denim Heads. Let's talk current interest. This section's a roundtable where we'll discuss whatever we're into at the moment. And that's not limited to denim or boots. Maybe you'll find yourself a new interest uh, to check out in this episode. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it last month, um, but I have started writing again for um, Apathy and Exhaustion, which is a punk blog uh, run by a good friend of mine, Tony. Uh, my first review in uh, about six months has finally been pushed. Um, so uh, if you're interested, jump, uh, have a search for Apathy and Exhaustion online it's a really cool little punk blog uh i managed to review uh the ep isolation as a form of torture by the band matachine who are an lgbt um metalcore band and you know it's without a doubt probably one of the hardest releases i've heard in years uh and uh it just makes you want to go and throw heavy things at bigots <laughs> yeah <laughs> Throw yeah, the enemy against the, the wall. wall or spin, just get to a gig and start spin kicking people. Yeah, that you put through. Oh, oh god, it's oh. gross, isn't it? Not just my sweat as well. Yeah. <laughs> always take always buy a t shirt at a gig because the oh, t shirt yeah, you go in will be destroyed by the end of yeah. it. Yeah. Hardcore. If it man. if it isn't, you haven't done it right. <laughs> Yeah, I guess uh, if we're talking music, I might I might throw one out there. So I've recently been getting into a genre called um, sludge gaze. So it's sort of shoegaze music. So kind of, you know, My Bloody Valentine sort of wall of sound, kind of, you know, a lot of reverb and noise meets uh, sludge metal, which is kind of a, a version of heavy metal that came, I think, out of grunge music. Uh, and two bands I've been really digging. Um, one is called Waveless. Uh, they just put a new album out, I think, last week um, called Sugar Tree, which is really good. And then another band um, called Another Heaven. Um, I think they're even maybe label mates or something like that. But uh, I really recommend checking out both those bands if you want some uh, some good shoegazy kind of noisy stuff. Sounds like, um, a, like a natural progression from the stuff that bands like Neurosis release. Yeah, it's way less on the metal end and way more mm-hmm. on the the kind of shoegazy pop end of okay, the things, yeah. but 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 it definitely has some of those kind of similar vibes cool. like the metal band Val if yes. you kind of made them Love into that. a pop band mm-hmm. that might be more what you're thinking okay in terms of in terms of music um i recently read that uh deftones is coming out with a new album as well which is probably one of my favorite bands from the the good old 90s early 2000s they've already um, put a new video out yes exactly yep yep so i listened to it the other day which sounds very deftonesy which is great i love that they just keep doing what they're good at they're not trying to be like 
funky and experimental or anything. It's always slightly different, obviously, but um, they keep to their core, which I which I really love. Saw them in London a couple of years ago, which was a great, um, great gig. They did um, that Team Sweet yeah. album at one point, which is kind of an elect- electronic album. I don't know if you ever heard that, Team Sleep. It was sort of like a side project. Yeah, it's like Chino by himself kind of doing more electronic stuff. And then I remember they did that covers record a couple of years ago where they had like Sade covers and stuff like that on it. That was pretty dope. Yeah, I've um, been listening a lot to the Menzingers, uh, who are kind of a melodic punk band from Scranton, uh, where The Office is from in America, which is hilarious. Um but they, they released an album just before kind of lockdown and everything happened. And they're now releasing kind of an acoustic version of that album that they all recorded in lockdown with kind of whatever is in their house. So, you know, some of it will sound like a little bit echoey where it's done in their um, loft or their garage or whatever. So um, once that release, it sounds pretty good. They've just released two of the songs um, and the album's coming out soon. So it's a pretty cool concept. Um, I guess I'll go next. Um... I've been playing um, Ghost of Tsushima uh, on PlayStation. This is a Sony release, which has been in the works for a number of years. Um, and it's based on a Mongol invasion of uh, an island of, of Japan in this uh, 13th century. Um, and it chronicles the, um, the main character's uh, journey to try and beat off the, the Mongol invasion, basically. Um, the imagery is stunning. The gameplay is fantastic. Um, uh, I really like the fighting system and uh, building up of skills and um, different power plays that are involved in the game. Um, really recommend it to to anyone really that has a PlayStation. Um, it's yeah, it's really a kind of a mix of um, Red Dead Redemption and uh, uh, maybe like Assassin's Creed. I think there's somewhere in between those two. Um, so if you kind of enjoy those games, then I'd recommend uh, that. I've heard it was heavily influenced by Akira Kurosawa films that you can even like play it in Kurosawa mode where everything's black and white. You can, yeah. They they have those filters that you can put on. Um, I, I I've, I've stuck with the colors, but uh, yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a um, references to his films and to uh, the cinematography. Um, that oh, he has nice. used so yeah it's it's really nice and there's some nice um, um, nods to the religion of the time like the Shintoism and the, the Buddhism and um, um, things like that going on as well so yeah it's if, if you're interested in uh, Japanese culture and um, history then it's it's another um, thing to add on there and slaughtering Mongolians <laughs> and slaughtering Mongolians yeah I also read a couple of days ago on Met, that some guy did an analysis on Metacritic of sort of critic reviews and fan reviews. And Ghost of Tsushima didn't necessarily get the best critic reviews, but interestingly, um, he's calculated that it's the highest fan rated game of all time on Metacritic. Yeah. So basically it's got like a 9.3 out of 10 average uh, user score mm-hmm. and 15,000 some odd reviews. And no other game has it either it's got that high of a score, but very few reviews, or if it has that many reviews, the score is kind of shit. And so yeah. basically it's kind of calculated that it's supposedly the highest fan rated game of all time 
uh, at least in, in terms of what Metacritic knows about. So it must be good. impressive. That's cool. Yeah, I'm I'm not surprised by that. It it, it is is a fantastic game. Um, um, yeah. yeah, as soon as payday comes, I think I'm gonna have to order a copy for my PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, highly recommend it, mate. You'll you, you'll enjoy it. Um, knowing you know knowing you and um, what you're into, um, I think you'd really kind of just sink into the game. Yeah, on that note, I might um, throw something in on the movie side. So I just watched Netflix's um, My Name is Dolomite the other uh, day. Yeah. Um, oh, any good? It's it's fantastic. I mean, it's got Eddie Murphy in it, mm. who's incredible. Yep. It's got uh, Wesley Snipes in it, who's incredible. Um, and I'd always known about Dolomite from like listening to hip hop stuff, like, <laughs> you know, Wu-Tang references and whatever. But I never really <laughs> knew anything more than like it was like you know 70s black exploitation action film yeah the guy behind it really ray moore is is fascinating um he you know effectively he was stand-up he then created a whole swathe of films based either on dolomite or a, a number of other characters he created yeah, and it's cool. After I watched it, I, w I went on to, I can't remember if it was either Amazon Prime Video or mm -hmm. Netflix. I forgot which of the two. I think it's Prime Video. And I found that they've got the whole collection of like the original Dolomite films. Mm -hmm. um, and I watched the trailer for the original Dolomite movie. I'm like, holy shit, man, the, the new Netflix film, like mm -hmm. really, really closely recreated mm -hmm. that, the, the, each individual scene. Um, and I also saw that there's like Shaolin, Dolomite, yeah. Kung Fu Dolomite strikes back and I'm like, oh my god, man. Yeah. Like I can imagine sitting next to the Rizzo watching this stuff. He's done, yeah, the guy behind it. Uh, the, yeah, so a lot of the, guy, uh, the guy's films got picked up by an American uh, company called Vinegar Syndrome who kind of uh, upgrade uh, lots of old 70s films, predominantly more like kind of regional horror uh, and they bring them up to 4K or, you know, as, as best as they can uh, kind of definition. And then they re-release them with loads of um, extras. Uh, they they also cover, um, they, they literally do a wide gamut. So they'll do horror. They do like action and Kung Fu. They even do kind of classic 70s erotica all brought up to 4K. Um, and yeah, they've got the entire list or the entire stack of um really ray moore's films and i think they've got a deal with amazon prime in the uk so a lot of their stuff if not all of it the non-erotica stuff is available on prime for free so they, i mean they've picked they've they've done some really really interesting stuff uh they they've, they've covered some trash as well but um yeah highly recommend them as a brand to look at yeah particularly in the uk prime video used to be the company called love film Mm. And Love Film has got insane video rights. Like they, mm. you name it, you can find it there. And like, you know, I love Netflix because they make good stuff. But if you have like any niche interest whatsoever, like Prime Video, at least in the UK, has got everything. It's it's pretty crazy. Mm. Anyone anyone going to see um, new Christopher Nolan movie? Tenet. Yeah. Looks um, uh, Maybe got got, it's had mixed reviews. Got it booked in for Thursday, so hopefully, hopefully it's good. Mm -hmm. but we'll see. Yeah, I would definitely pay for like movie ticket price to watch it from home, but I don't know. I, I still just don't 
I don't think I can go to a cinema myself yet. Mm. Yeah, I guess the situation is slightly different over here. Like we don't have much um, community transmission at the moment. So um, it's pretty safe to go cinema and stuff like that, luckily enough. So, yeah. That's quite impressive that it's, you know, it's winter for you guys and to keep that lo mm. keep infections low, that's pretty cool. I mean, it is winter, but then also it's not really winter, right? So, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this weekend was um, supposedly the coldest uh, weekend of the year. And we had, we had snow in certain parts, like pretty close to Sydney, um, up in an area called the Blue Mountains. Um, so I think that snow down to like five, 600 meters above sea level, which is like almost unheard of here in, in Australia. So I've seen uh, lots of Instagrams of people driving through towns where it's all, all white, which is quite interesting to see. Kangaroos wearing Santa hats. Yeah. Well, they were definitely jumping around in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I'll add one thing quickly. Um, so bringing it slightly back towards denim, as those of you who follow me on Instagram may know, one of the things I quite like to do is collect uh, obscure and rare denim. And since we did the last podcast, I finally managed to get myself a pair of Levi's rodeo jeans. So Ooh. if you're unsure what I am, if you go and check our podcast, uh, the Instagram feed for the podcast, we'll put a picture up. I'm just going to hold them up for the guys to show everyone else on the call levi's rodeo jeans were basically well they're made for rodeo clowns so in the from the 1920s mm. onwards america american rodeo um they'd have clowns which basically were entertainment between the rodeos so these guys would come on and clown around essentially um and as it developed they also became there for safety so when the rodeo riders would fall off the rodeo clowns would come along um and essentially distract the bulls uh, the most famous of these clowns was a guy called George Doak, um, and they almost became celebrities in their own right. So, of course, all the denim brands, they wear these really big baggy jeans, wanted to make special jeans for them. So then Levi's developed these um, incredibly kind of weird-shaped Levi's for him. They've got an incredibly long rise. So the pair I've got is a 23-inch inseam with a 46-inch waist. And then gigantic Levi's logos. Hmm. Levi's red tab is about six inches long. Um, yeah, so they basically made the special jeans for him. And Wrangler, I think, did the same for, uh, for some other Rojo clown. And I believe Lee did it as well. Um, and I managed to get a hold of one of these, which is really cool. Um, it's an unworn one, so it's raw. It's from the early 80s. Um, yeah, so I'm really pleased with it. It's, yeah, That's it's, an incredible find. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah Very special. I got it on eBay. It's just a really interesting, unusual thing. So, uh, yep, David's just got a picture of the guy. Cool are you going to, Lex, are you going to wear them to the next hang? Um, yeah, they're a little bit big on the waist, a little bit short on the leg for me. But, um, uh, that'll work. <laughs> well, here's cool the question, though, right? Are you going to wear them or are you going to save them as like a keepsake? No, no, no. They're, they're a keepsake. I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to kind of put in my archive. I, I like collecting. I've got loads of garments, which I can't wear because they don't fit me. Um, so these aren't really wearing jeans, um, but they're just a really interesting pair. I'll probably, I'll probably hang them in the wall in my studio or something like that. 
Um, but as I said, we'll get a picture on the Instagram feed. So you can check my Instagram feed at Field Denim Workshop or uh, the Sons of uh, Self Edge Instagram feed as well. Yeah, uh, fad wise for me, I mean, I could talk about the uh, Studio Data Zanchinos that I managed to pick up, um, but I won't. I'll talk about my other far more important fad, and that is early morning Channel 5 children's television. <laughs> yes here we go so <laughs> topic. come on yeah so um for those who are unaware uh i have a uh four and a half month old child and um in the mornings i get up at about i get up early about half five um to try and keep in my old routine from when i used to uh, commute into london for work at the moment i'm working from home as a result of the uh, pandemic um, so I get up and I take him uh, off my wife because she's been up all night with him because uh, babies like to make a lot of noise when they're asleep and like to be fed when they're asleep. And um, he uh, is quite demanding in that way. So I give uh, my wife a couple of hours in the morning and we've found that he really likes um, children's television. And two shows in particular, and these are the ones that I like the most. Uh, one is a very famous one called Peppa Pig that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, big, bright colours, very simple shapes. Uh, you know, it, it's quite endearing in a way. And uh, I think that's why, you know, my, my kid likes it is because it's just simple shapes. It's kind of very easy to follow. Um, you know, he's only four and a half months, so it is quite difficult. You know, he's, they haven't got the cognitive uh, ability yet to kind of really follow it. But the bright colours and the shapes make it really uh, kind of appealing for, for him. You can just sit and watch it for, um, you know, however long an episode is. Um, and then the other one is a little known one from uh, Quebec, I think, or it might be French, um, called Parata and Capitano that I highly recommend you all watch. It's about a little girl pirate and her best mate who is a uh, pilot and they go on a little adventures and um, her crew is like three starfish, a skeleton and uh, this big blob. And then he's uh, first mate on his ship is a talking pineapple called pineapple Johnson. And it's amazing. <laughs> and it's something that if I get to, Sounds great. It, I, will, I will just stop and watch it. Cause it's really, well, really well made. Um, obviously it's been dubbed all around the world. Uh, the British dub, which you can't find anywhere else apart from channel five and through their kind of uh, Amazon prime channel is brilliant. They've got the voices for the two main characters, absolutely spot on. They've used actual children to do it. Whereas the American version, they've got um, adult actors trying to do children's voices. So it's very high pitched. It's very twee. Um, it's borderline shrill, but the uh, kids voices on the British version are absolutely brilliant to listen to. Uh, and that sounds really weird from a man in his mid thirties, but when you're um, sitting there at half six in the morning, bleary eyed with a cup of coffee in front of you and a small wriggly child, um, it's very easy just to lock it on and just kind of keep them occupied for a few minutes. And that's my important fad. It'd be a really good name for a cocktail, Pineapple Johnson. (laughs) 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 With rum. Yeah, obviously. I'm going to say, what would you put in it? Yeah. Or an I adult film star. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
One last fad uh, I'll mention, just I, I talked a bit about on Instagram uh, about speaking on it, is uh, around the Denimio and Tuanuki collaboration genes, the Kusaki mm. genes. Um, so Denimio and Tanuki basically work together on a gene uh, in three fits. And the idea is they're kind of doing a, a contest around it, but it's actually like an initial impressions contest, not a fading contest. So more like, what are your first impressions of this gene? And what makes them interesting is the genes, uh, the warp is indigo, it's unsamphorized, so it shrinks to fit. Um, but the weft is uh, pomegranate rind dyed. So even though pomegranates are red, there's a, a Japanese dye called kusaki dye, which is basically um, made from the pomegranate and it's kind of a olive color. It's a kind of a goldish greenish. Um, and so the, the weft of the genes are basically kind of gold, olivey color. Um, they're pretty interesting. Like they've got, you know, kind of bright orange inside stitching, uh, bright blue kind of cobalt selvage, and this kind of like crazy olive color. Um, and they did them in high tapered, slim tapered and regular straight fits. And I think they've mostly, but not entirely sold out, but, um, they'll probably end up doing another run if they're super successful, because why not, if you can make more money. Um, but yeah, I picked up a pair just on a, on a whim. So I wanted some, some new jeans, haven't bought jeans in a long time. Um, and I went for the regular straight cut based upon pigeon tree crafting's, uh, review of another gene from Tanuki and the regular straight cut. Um, I have to say I'm pretty happy, um, as a, a skinny guy, um, who usually wears slim straight or slim tapered, a regular straight's a little bit poofy for me in the hips and kind of thighs area. So it's not as fit as I'm used to. But um, thanks to you guys and a bit of moral support uh, on Instagram, I'm kind of starting to kind of get into the fit is something kind of different when I want a more relaxed fit and not something so slim as I would normally wear. And um, yeah, I think I think Tanuki is worth a brand is, is worth checking out as a brand. I mean, they've got um, corded belt loops, which means you put a piece of rope in the belt loop. They've got line back pockets. Uh, they've got hidden rivets. Um, really nice kind of design details into the sense of like color of thread and, and sort of, you know, this one has a patch with the big Tanuki head on it, which is basically kind of an animal in Japan. That's sort of like a raccoon or a fox. Um, and yeah, they're pretty cool. I mean, they're not the best fit for me and that they're a little bit baggy, but you know, I think if you're a muscular person, like, uh, it needs a bit more thigh room the regular straight fit for you is probably uh, worth checking out. And then if you're uh, a super skinny dude, their um, high tapered and slim tapered cuts are both rather aggressive in their taper. They're quite slim. Um, and they, yeah, they're doing some cool fabrics. I think I'm, I think I'm a fan of Tanuki that I might for any future purposes, uh, try and see, try, try out their slim straight instead of the regular straight. But, uh, but yeah, it's kind of cool. I think the cut really good suits you, David. Yeah, I, I'm kind of wrap, I'm learning to appreciate it. I think the hard thing is when you're a skinny guy, if you wear baggy clothes, it feels like you are even skinnier. Um, so I guess it's just a confidence thing of being confident wearing something that's a bit looser fit and saying like, you know, actually I'm not, it doesn't make me skinnier. I'm just wearing something more relaxed. So I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on a journey. Yeah. <laughs> it, it took me a while to move from skinnier slim and more tailored to something kind of more traditional 
um because i started with like only's slimmest fit before that it was like levi's five tens and like super stretch kind of back in the days of skinny black jeans mm. um and then i think like my first wide pair were levi's 1947 lvcs so it's like you know fitted around the bum but um you know you've got a bit of a bit of movement around the ankle so once you kind of get your head around it easy to go and then you can actually sit down properly and do squats <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think i think folks who kind of want that like 40s or 50s sort of fit you know higher waist uh kind of more fitted up top but want a looser leg uh tanuki's regular straight might be worth checking out so it's got a little bit of a taper so a bit modern but it it still i think kind of has a bit of that vintage silhouette to it so so there you go um, so yeah, during the week I kind of just make face masks for people. Um, so you can buy them through my website on unitedoveralls.com. Um, salvage denim, raw, pretty good. Um, this week I've got the task of repairing a vintage 1950s salvage jacket, um, which was an eBay find labeled as a medium, but it was, it was a tight medium. Uh, so it got relegated to my girlfriend who now wears it. Um, she was like, oh, yeah, I love that. Yeah, great. Cool. Free jacket. I was like, oh, yeah, amazing. Cool. What a waste. <laughs> um, but like amazing fades on it. I think it, it must be like a Sears or something like that because there's no actual branding on anything. Um, but selvage on the inside of the plackets, um, you know, like the collar's all busted. Um, but I think where it's 100% cotton thread in, um, a lot of the seams have started to come undone um, kind of obviously prior to when I bought it um, and she started complaining that her hand goes through some of the holes sometimes when she puts it on <laughs> um, so it will be my task this week to do some vintage repairing patch some holes um, try and do it nice and neat and kind of true to the vintage feel of it so fingers crossed that comes out well so what style patching will you use to, to kind of get that right look um, Probably like hand doing it with a fabric at the back and then just the neat circle with yeah. tiny bits of stitching, you know, so that you're showing enough of the vintage fabric. Um, I kind of didn't want to do too much zigzagging or anything like that. Um, so that'll be a little project to keep me busy while I'm furloughed. Um, starting to feel the boredom creep in after all these months. So It'd be nice if you could post that on the... Um on the Instagram um, salvage podcast. Yeah, definitely. I'll do before and after pictures yeah. so people can see my updates and my terrible handiwork, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm bad and... at stitching. <laughs> All right. So next up, we have the news. There's a lot happening in the world this year, and we might get a bit political from time to time, but hopefully you'll find something interesting in our news today. Uh, if you have any news um, alerts for us, please send them to sonsofselvagepodcast at gmail.com or to our Instagram page at sonsofselvagepodcast. Also, if you have any questions you'd like us to talk about in a future episode, send them there as well. So our first bit of news is the Global Denim Hang uh, second edition. This is coming on September 12th and 13th of this year. So for anyone who isn't really close to the raw denim hobby, uh, a big common element of it is what we call denim hangs. And basically that's where uh, a group of denim heads from a particular city 
um, get together and meet up at a pub uh, or, a, or a brewery. Everyone's got their favorite sort of jeans and jackets and boots. And basically we just hang out and geek out about uh, our hobby. So it's quite popular to have denim hangouts in places like New York, LA, Seattle, San Francisco, um, London. Our worn out global meetup is obviously basically the London denim hang. And um, I think it was about a year ago or two years ago, uh, Yorkshire Denimal, uh, Clobber Calm and 23 ounce Indigo, uh, three friends of ours from the UK, uh, organized the first uh, UK denim hang in Sheffield, uh, followed by a second one in Manchester that was sort of UK wide. Um, they wanted to do another one this year, but because of COVID, they said, hey, let's just take it online. And so that is where the concept of the global denim hang came from. It basically was a 24 hour long uh, virtual get together. Um, last time they did it was in spring and that was the first uh, global denim hang. This is the second. And what we saw last time was pretty much 24 hours of nonstop uh, interviews. So either talking to a cool brand like interviewing Telesun or visiting a, a cool factory uh, or like a dye house or, you know, um, seeing someone's workshop where they make things or like the, uh, the denim pub quiz that our buddy Lex here on the podcast uh, put together. So um, super cool event and whether you're um, in the US, in the UK, anywhere in the world, really, there's a chance for you to dial in to the, the global denim hang and kind of hear what it's about and listen to some cool uh, interviews and hangouts. So what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I um, it's Kevin here. Um, I really enjoyed last last time's um, denim hang. Um, lots of like really cool um, topics that were talked about. Um, you know, we we had a glimpse of um, the factory for um, from TCB, for example. There was a chat with um, three sixteen, which was really interesting. So. Um, yeah, I'm just like curious to see what kind of kind of brands will be uh, will be involved this time. Um, if it'll take a different direction, maybe, or if there, I don't know, there might maybe be like a certain theme happening throughout the whole day. Um, so yeah, very uh, very curious to see what um, what they've got planned for us um, with this one. And I know um, it's raising money for a good cause. So I believe Ben's raising money for uh, Save the Children again. So. I think last time they managed to raise just over two and a half thousand pounds. So I think his aim this time is to see if they can top three grand. Um, and I believe they'll wow. be doing a raffle as well. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it should be interesting. It's all for a good cause. So I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Um, and hopefully we'll find out soon who's taking part. You're doing another pub quiz? I don't know this time. Uh, he did mention it to me, so I will find out. But obviously, I'll let you know if I do. But if I do, I need to find a new, whole new set of questions. And actually, yeah. it's quite hard. It's quite hard <laughs> thinking of 30-odd questions about denim. So, um, Not easy, no. Yeah, that's something. from us if you need. Yeah, yeah. I might have to. Um, I've, start, I've started prepping a few questions already. So uh, we, will, we will let me let you know if that's to be confirmed. But... Yes, if it is, it will be the second, uh, second field denim workshop, global denim pub quiz. Awesome. No, I think it's going to be a really good, um, good event. The last one went really, really well, uh, uh, and 
got a lot of interest and like we said before it, it's raised it raised some mon- some decent money uh, for a good cause uh this year i think ben's decision to hold a raffle instead of an auction on the items that have been uh, dedicated to them from various brands is a good idea as it makes it more accessible to a lot of people um and it means that whatever happens there will definitely be money put in uh, that will go to a good cause. I think he'll probably raise a bit more this way as well. I hope no one's donating like jeans with a bunch of uh, crotch rot already <laughs> broken into them. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Rudy. Busted jeans. <laughs> Rudy, Rudy, Rudy's, Rudy's donating one of the uh, boxes in his museum that's not been opened. Oh, Lord. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm joking, he's not. Mildew and uh, mold. <laughs> Uh, encrusted for yeah. extra what, what, one of the uh, the six pairs he once wore on a flight back from uh, the Southeast Asia. <laughs> I, I know it's an aside, but that shows pure extreme dedication to the cause. Yeah, I do love the the insanity of the fades you get from um, like Indonesia and Thailand and Malaysia, um, and I, I think it'd be fascinating because. So much of their denim culture is about wearing jeans indoors, essentially mm-hmm. like to shopping malls. Yeah. Um, it'd be cool to do like a fade contest for like the only way you can wear your jeans is like indoors at shopping malls. It'd be interesting <laughs> to do like an exchange student kind of thing where one of them have to come to UK and one of us have to go to Indonesia for a year. <laughs> and, and, see, we, and see what kind of fades we get. I, I think what would happen is one of us, whoever went from uh, the UK Europe would go down massively with heat sickness and give yeah. up on denim, and then the uh, guy from Southeast Asia would just be really disappointed. <laughs> like zero, saw, um, <laughs> no fades. I saw a dude on Instagram breaking in a new pair of jeans for a contest, and he was—I uh, think he's somewhere in the US and the South, mm. like Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, mm-hmm. whatever. And he was basically talking about getting up early in the morning, wearing his jeans till about 10 or 11 a.m. And then having to change clothes because it just gets too hot. <laughs> oh, what? That's insane. And then you've got guys like um, the uh, denim rambler, Steve Snyder, who lives in Alaska, who just goes hiking up glaciers in PBJ. Yeah, he's, uh, he's incredible. Mate, he's so good. His photos are insane. Yeah. Oh, man. Cool. I guess um, anything else on the global denim hang? I'm just looking forward to it. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, I think it was a great event last time. It was great to see so many um, dedicated people who are passionate about what they do um, and showcase mm-hmm. their knowledge, their skills, and their stories. And uh, I'm looking forward to the uh, to the next one to see who will be uh, showcasing their stuff mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's good. It's for a good cause as well. So yeah, I'll definitely be buying some raffle tickets. Hopefully, get some prizes this time around. And um, yeah, uh, great job, guys. Yeah, one last thing too is um, I believe it's all free of charge. Obviously, it's all about charity and and raising money for stupid children. So if someone's new to denim culture, it's a great place to jump on and hang out without having to pay any money. And you basically get to meet some of the really cool people that you maybe have talked to or follow on Instagram. So it's sort of a, a great way to kind of get to know some folks that maybe you didn't before, which is, which is pretty cool. Absolutely. Um, so on to the second piece of news. Um, the Indigo Invitational is back again for a second year. So basically, um, for those who don't know, 
you often have um, fade contests in the raw denim culture. So what will happen is um, there will be a contest that runs for a certain time, one year, three years, six months, whatever. And at the beginning of it, you have a brand new pair of jeans of your choosing and you essentially kind of um, get it approved that, yep, these are brand new jeans. I haven't worn these before. Uh, and then you basically try as hard as you can to maximize the fading potential of those jeans uh, during the duration of the contest. So it likely means a person will wear literally one pair of jeans uh, for an entire year, let's say, to try and get the best fades for a contest. And the Indigo Invitational is sort of a attempt to kind of um, really formalize this type of competition and make it uh, more of a structured um, professional thing. So it's, it's worldwide, uh, anyone can enter it. I believe it kicks off in October, if I remember correctly. Um, and there's some pretty ridiculous prizes if you, if you win, like big cash awards for certain brands, like even like a trip to Japan to go see uh, Kojima Jean Street or something like that. So um, seems pretty cool. Uh, what do you guys think about the Indigo Invitational? I think it's a great thing because it encourages a lot of people to stick to one pair rather than trying to buy lots and just not wear them. I think especially when you, you're first coming to this hobby, you are quick to buy several pairs and not really wear them in. So I think, um, I think this will encourage those, those people to kind of stick to one pair for a longer period of time and actually reap the benefits of having a faded pair rather than just looking at other people's faded pairs in, in Envy. Um, I also think it's good that it's, um, you can wear any jean you want basically as long as it's raw. So it's not just one brand, one model, or you know two models sometimes you have for these kind of things. Um, so yeah, I think, I think it's a really positive thing um and the, yeah the prizes look in, incredible um and i believe is it rivet and hyde who are judging the um the fade competition at the end i think um that should be quite interesting uh, that's awesome. for what kind mm -hmm. of or what kind of fades they will go to uh is it going to be more vintage style or more um you know yeah um, um yeah it'd be interesting what what what, what how that will work out how about you guys? An, there's an amazing uh, list of sponsors as well. So you've got brands like Ironheart, Naked and Famous, Unbranded Brand, uh, Tate and Yoko, Benzac, uh, of course, Rivet and Hyde. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's really cool. Um, are any of you guys planning on entering it? Is the question. Um, I've been thinking about it. I've, I've done a um, competition before. It's probably a couple of four or five years ago or so, I think, um, which was called the Denim World Championships. It was set up slightly differently because you had different categories and then you could win your category. And then at the end, there was then a, a, an ultimate winner out of all the categories. But um, so it's a slightly different setup. Um, but it, yeah, it takes a lot of dedication. Um, if you obviously take part you want to win so you want to fade your jeans as much as possible in that year and i'm kind of a bit of a slow fader in general because i'm you know office job um don't really do too much in my jeans normally um so it is a bit is a bit tough um but i mean there's some great prizes to be won so um and i need a new pair anyway so you know 
why not? Give it a shot. I'd like to think that I've perfected the uh, office fade, Kevin. Um, the trick <laughs> to it is every every time you go to your your fancy uh, restroom at your office, uh, you know, you wash your hands instead of using like the hand dryer or paper towels, you just like towels. rub your hands on the thighs of your jeans, <laughs> <laughs> and it gives you awesome thigh fades over time. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Where it's like hard to to make your jeans look cool when you just sit on your it ass. It is. <laughs> I like yeah, I like when when I took part last time um i just after half a year of wearing the mini office i was like i need to do something to speed this process up so i just started using them as my cycling jeans to work um so that sped it up a little bit um but yeah it's it's still still quite hard um but i mean um yeah as i said good prizes worth a shot if you've got a new pair laying around um i mean why not yeah anyone else I don't think I really have time to <laughs> fade jeans anymore. Like I've, the two jeans that I had on, like Hadel's fade of the day, that was when I was working in retail. So I'm on my hands and knees mm. and grafting, wearing them every day. So they managed to fade quite quickly. But now that I have to wear a suit to work, it's like barely get any fades. Like after a year, there's a subtle, more vintage <laughs> fades. <laughs> um, but like, I think it's a really, really cool idea. I feel like maybe Asia has a little bit of an advantage with their 100% humidity, but there mm -hmm. are hard grafters like, you know, around the world, America, Europe, Dan and Dan. I'd say what's an advantage. If I, I could like basically take a new pair of jeans and attach them to my cat's scratching post and like train my four cats to sit there and like paw them every day. <laughs> I have some sick phase by the time that's done. <laughs> <laughs> very oh, unique fades as well <laughs> yeah. like an old pair of diesel jeans or some crap <laughs> yeah exactly little method like wabash yeah <laughs> mm. uh like negative wabash or like reductive wabash yeah. um just a quick rundown of the prizes i just quickly pulled this up so Ironheart, uh a thousand us dollar voucher so so brothers will fly you to japan uh, they're the, the Swedish uh, kind of custom dinner maker. Uh, Chuchai Indigo um, will kind of give you a custom sort of jeans and jacket experience. Northern Republic, uh, two prizes, a $300 gift card and uh, for, for some boots and a single pair of Telesun jeans. Uh, Naked and Famous has donated five items. Nudie's donated five items. Benzac, a $250 gift certificate. And it just goes on and on and on. Um, that's only like maybe a third of the stuff available. I just realized it's probably stupid to try and read it all out. There's just so much stuff. Um, yeah, check out the website, I would say, if anyone's interesting, interested, who's listening. Yeah, and on Instagram, if you need to find them, it's uh, at uh, Indigo Invitational. Um, and then for the previous item, that was uh, at Global Denim Hangs. Hey, cool. Ronald. What's that? Who runs it? I think uh, Thomas from Denim Hunters is one of the key organizers. Um, I think he's the media partner, isn't it? There's there's another chap who's um, who's actually um, running it, and it's based off it, the yeah. um, the Facebook uh, page that they created. Um, I forget his name at the moment. Just curious. But yeah, I mean every 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 brand that 
you can think of as pretty much involved in it in some way, whether they're like a sponsor or, you know, uh, contributing stuff, whatever. It's it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty huge. It's mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah. The key thing I I struggle with is I can never imagine wearing one pair of jeans for a year. Like at a minimum, I've at least got one pair of black and one pair of indigos, so like two pairs of jeans a year. And I actually think that's kind of the perfect sweet spot. So like one indigo jean, one black jean. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess once you really get into the hobby, you all often have like multiple pairs for different purposes, like my shredded up weekend jeans, my brand new office jeans, my more relaxed jeans, my more slim jeans. So I think it's probably hard to to dedicate yourself but i guess maybe that's part of the, the challenge um I, what i've been doing is doing um my main pair has been my warehouse 700 and i've been wearing that five days a week and then on the weekends i'll be wearing my other stuff so that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how i've been getting around it so i'm still getting steady wearing throughout the year on the one pair but um, i still got the chance to to wear different things as well yeah, that's a good one. You're getting involved, Ilya, in that TCB uh, fade contest, right? Yeah, so um, Super Future have organized um, a TCB uh, World War II um, jeans and jacket, which they've reproduced from a, a found sample. I think the jeans were like a kid sample that they found, um, but they've basically rebuilt it from that. Um, um, so, yeah, Super Future have commissioned them to do. I think it's about 200 pairs that people have entered and um, you've got um, lottery pocket bags. So you've got some hickory, wabash, olive, chambray, um, some mismatched pockets um, available. Um, and I don't actually remember what the prizes are for that one, but um, yeah, so that's, hmm. starting, that's starting on September, September 1st. Um, so I've got my pair. Of uh, just wash them, they fit, which is good. So yeah, I'll um, I'll be starting to do wearing them probably from September onwards. Luckily, so, you only got about a week to wait. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. too not too long. Yeah, I still I still got to put put a, a couple of months in on my warehouse as well. So I'll be there'll be a transition period between between the two. Um, so I I mean I don't think i'm gonna win or anything like that so i'm, I'm not gonna be a diehard uh <laughs> entry i think but um plenty of washing on them and um yeah just uh just trying to wear them hard and if folks want to follow Ilya's progress his his account is ill cuts with a z yep or yeah, I'll, be, I'll be post i'll be posting them on, on there and on the um on the super future um uh fred for the um, TCBs so okay yes so um, Samurai um, it appears are now pushing uh, a Samurai's line if not going completely Samurai'sed um, this got mentioned on the uh, Raw Denim Facebook group uh, there's a few people mentioning it and Merv from Okuyama Denim uh, confirmed that that is the route that samurai jeans are looking at pushing now. Uh, he said that he's still getting access to their and samurai stuff at the moment. Um, but it looks like uh, we could see their and samurai stuff either disappear or 
be more reduced and they're going to focus on their kind of ready to wear lines. And what's the significance of that? I mean, I know for, um, we covered this last episode mm. a bit, but in short, sanferized denim is denim that's kind of pre-shrunk and ready to go. Yeah. Whereas unsanferized denim, you have to shrink it to, to fit you. Mm. And so, it's um, a bit more of a gamble in terms of how it's going to fit, but you get more interesting fabrics. What yeah. does this mean for samurai? I think, um, in my opinion, it's going to make them potentially more accessible to a lot of uh, more casual uh, denim wearers um, and also for kind of first-time wearers, though there is the concern there. I think their, their, their Samurai stuff is a little bit more expensive because it's already, they've gone through the process in-house, or at least that's what uh, people have been saying about, it, it, uh, about the pricing on their website. Um, so that actually might drive people away because Samurai jeans for people who aren't uh, aware are known for being quite pricey um not the priciest um but i mean if you want to buy them in the uk without going through uh, a japanese seller, if you want to buy them from a uk store you're looking at about 300 pounds a pair minimum um though you can get them through places like okayama and, and denimio for kind of maybe 200 pounds uh, plus shipping uh, so there is a potential it's going to draw more people in who are scared of the sun going through the whole shrink to fit thing um and the other risk on the flip side some of the more some of the more hardcore denim wearers and the purists will maybe now start to steer away from brands like from from samurai and move towards other brands where they can get that unsamurized um f- fabric and that kind of that go through that whole process because some people absolutely love the whole shrink to fit process yeah, it's interesting because they're kind of a a more enthusiast and brand, mm. but shrink to fit jeans is more of an enthusiast prod, product. So it's almost like either they want to become more mainstream or they just theorize that maybe they can make great denim that is uh, pre-shrunken, sanferized. Like I know yeah. RGT, uh, Rogue Territory, has got that cryptic denim they came out mm-hmm. with, which basically looks like it's unsanferized. But it has been gone. It has been pre-shrunk. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're doing something like that. Maybe, yeah. And also, you've got the whole. Um, so, you know, Samurai, one of those brands that aren't afraid to do something different with their fabrics. So maybe they've looked at um, brands like Naked and Famous, who are you know they're they're famous for playing around with fabric and doing you know different things with denim, be it reflective denim or. Um, a different colored weft or hell they did scratch and sniff at one point. Um, maybe Samurai are taking, looking at that model and seeing how successful that brand has been. Um, and looking at incorporating certain elements of that into their, um, into their brand to kind of push their more, uh, interesting fabrics and, you know, their, their colored wefts and the like that we've started to see recently. Yeah. This book of five ring, Denim mm. jeans they did were pretty dope and with like all the red weft, the green weft, the yeah. blue weft, etc. I still have uh, this never ending hunt for a pair of blue weft jeans, but I still have yet. To- <laughs> all right, cool. Um, so have a jingle discussion. <laughs> that was the jingle, <laughs> yeah. Gotta keep, gotta keep evolving that. Um, cool. So, um, now let's jump into our discussion topic for today. So today we're doing a focus on uh, small craft brands that we like. So 
you know, in the time of, of COVID-19 when small uh, makers need that extra bit of support to keep going, uh, we want to just sort of highlight a few different brands or, or makers that we're keen on. Um, they're not necessarily raw denim specific. It's just generally speaking who, who we think is making cool stuff. And so, um, yeah, let, let's jump right into our craft brands we appreciate discussion topic. Um, I'll kick things off first. And I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my friend, Chris, who is in my hometown of Austin, Texas. Um, he's got a brand called Kaiju Cut and Sew. Uh, Kaiju's Japanese for giant monsters like uh, Godzilla. And basically he started out making, you know, um, fanny packs or bum bags, depending on where you're from and RPG uh, dice bags out of a lot of kind of crazy Japanese prints. So a lot of pop culture, superheroes, um, kind of crazy characters and stuff. Um, but then it, it expanded into doing leather goods, so like wallets and bags and stuff. And most recently he's been doing um, sort of Japanese inspired face masks. So like really beautiful kimono fabrics or um, kind of more interesting sort of uh, pop culture prints and stuff like that. Um, and he's pretty much sewing masks nonstop and donating his profits to local charities. So when I talked to him the other day, he so far donated $20,000 uh, in profits, um, I guess over the past six months to a year. So um, if anyone's in the mood to pick up a face mask or uh, a bum bag slash fanny pack, or even like a cool leather wallet, or um, he's also been a Trello card. Yeah, I've got a Trello up. Um, I'd like to highlight uh, Wild Frontier Goods. Um, there's a chap called Mike uh, Faulkner uh, who lives in Japan and uh, he makes leather goods. Uh, well, he started off making leather goods. He's now expanded to doing um, tote bags and pillowcases and other goods. Um, but he's been doing it for around five years, I think. I'm not exactly sure when he started. Um, but living in Japan, he's got access to really uh, cool leathers um, which he utilizes for uh, all his products. Um, his stitching um, is very neat and high quality. Um, the, the goods are beautiful um, and well-crafted. Um, and he's just a stand-up dude. Um, I've been talking to him on Instagram since about 2016, I think. And um, this earlier this year, in February, I got... Um, had the chance to meet him um, whilst I was in Tokyo and um, him and his wife uh, showed us around um, some of the areas uh, whilst we were there. So yeah, um, big fan of his. I've got uh, a wallet, a couple of belts um, uh, and, and some more stuff coming uh, in the near future. So yeah, it's uh, a big, big fan of his. Um, so go check his, um, Stuff at, um, I believe it's um, at Wild Frontier Goods brand um, on Instagram, and um, his website is uh, wildfrontiergoods.com. Um, the other uh, maker that I'd like to highlight is uh, Twerd MFG, um, which is run by uh, Igor in uh, Moscow. Um, he's a one-man brand, um, and he's been um, up and running since 2017, um, making uh, jeans, shirts, jackets, 
um, another dry goods. Um, his inspiration comes both from uh, classic American denim as well as um, um, Soviet-inspired pieces. Um, and uh, I think he creates quite unique designs um, uh, utilizing older um, garments and um, uh, concepts. Um, yeah, and again, a great dude. I've had the pleasure of meeting him in Amsterdam um, and in Berlin. Um, and it's always always a pleasure to to speak with him. Um, he's kind of self-taught himself how to not only sew but uh, tailor and pattern cut and all these kind of things. So it's it's always nice to be able to support someone like that um, who's also passionate about. What's that? He can drink like for. Ten men. <laughs> oh, oh yes, there's uh, there's there's always a vodka bottle somewhere uh, nearby him, and yeah. uh, I think in even in one of his chore jackets, he's uh, he's put a nice little compartment that you can uh, fit things like that. Good vodka. <laughs> Brilliant. I saw that uh, Matt, who used to have a blog called Rope Die, that's now called CRD, was um, doing some kind of special thing where he's sending a bunch of uh, a particular denim he had held on to uh over to tour to make something custom for him so it'd be interesting to see what those guys are working on oh yeah he he accepts um things like that so i, I know um uh one of the chaps from new york sent him some chambray fabric um which he made uh, a shop shirt for for him um and i think he's done that for other people as well so he's, he's open to collaboration and um and things like that so it's it's quite nice to you know be in contact with him and uh you know have that customization aspect same same with mike um you know if there's something specific that you're next mm. um so i'd like to talk about um a brand called kingsley walter studio uh, which you'll be able to find at kingsley walter studio um he's a really good friend that i met when i used to work at levi's um, so he was one of our Christmas temps that stayed on. Um, so I got to boss him around and tell him all about jeans, uh, which is always fun, bossing people around. Um, he kind of, through Levi's, like me, super got into jeans and vintage clothing, everything that comes with it. Um, you know, his style of the stuff that he was wearing, you know, completely changed in that period that I knew him he kind of left Levi's and went and learned pattern cutting. Um, so done an apprenticeship doing that for a while. Um, and then he moved away from that and started leather working. Um, and now he's got his own brand where he makes bags, totes, belts, wallets, kind of anything leather you can request from him. Um, and he will be able to make um, he used to have a studio just behind Black Horse Lane Ateliers. Um, so he kind of also knew them and we were both kind of working in the same kind of crowds and groups. Um, but now I believe he works down in Soho. Um, and it's really, really amazing stuff. He's always super, super particular about the leathers he gets. Um, so he tries to keep either English or Italian veg tans and very like super oily ones as well um does all the riveting himself with you know like super super thick 
um, almost like saddle quality rivets and stuff like that. Um, really, really amazing guy. And yeah, like, as I said, like you can request to make bags. So often he gets kind of customers who have something particular in their head, like oh, I want you know this many pockets on the bag, or you know a flap here and blah blah blah. Can you get these particular buckles from wherever? And he will just do it. He's amazing, amazing guy, and his craft is just next level and it I, you know i think he's only been learning for like two years two and a half three maybe um does amazing stuff and he now even actually um you can book appointments with him and he'll teach you leather craft as well uh one-on-one which is pretty amazing um so yeah go check him out it's really really good stuff yeah he's one of the friendliest dudes i've ever met like such a nice guy Cool. Uh, yeah. So uh, my first one that I want to discuss, sorry, it's under here, uh, is Anchor Goods. So Anchor Goods is a one-man brand from uh, around Milan in Italy, run by a guy called Raffaello. And he is, again, another leather goods um, maker. Uh, and he does a, a range of things, be it uh, wallets, uh, key holders, uh, leather uh, wallet braids um you know he kind of does a large you know quite a large uh, range of products all by himself again he does everything himself he cuts it all he rivets it all he selects the leathers he um does indigo dip dye as well i've seen him do that a few times uh mostly worked with uh natural uh veg tan leather um and you know he he does everything you know pretty quickly and he's got great communication. So I've used him uh, once for a uh, braided uh, wallet leash. And, you know, the commun- I was kind of put onto him by Ilya, who's used him before. And the, um, the, the service that he provided and the communication that he gave you was, you know, second to none. Um, spoke to, you know, speaks to you all the way through the process you know, discusses uh, the length, what kind of uh, additions do you want. Uh, we'll give you a range of stuff. We'll see what he's got in stock, what he can bring in. Um, you know, and he, he's he gone, I don't know if I might be wrong here earlier, but he seems to have gone quiet a bit recently on yeah, on think, his product. I think he's, um, he's also a personal trainer. Um, yeah. And I think he's been concentrating on that um, at the moment. Um, so he still he still does the leather goods uh, mm-hmm. on request I think, uh, but yeah I think uh, he's kind of in between doing those those two things. Um, yeah, yeah it I agree. Ma- makes sense. He's, yeah, he's a, he's a he's a top bloke, uh, really mm. really friendly. Uh, again, I've had the manage uh, had the um, the chance to meet him whilst I was in Milan, and he's uh, a super nice guy. Um, and yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll uh, be the first one to um, actually um, bring up a slightly smallerish denim brand. Um, I don't own any of their products, um, but I want to give a shout out to, I don't know how you pronounce it, but I think it's Hyatt Denim. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. um, yeah I, came, I came across them a few years ago and I just love their story. Um, it's a small denim brand. Um, from a very small town um, uh, called Cardigan in Wales, I think it is. Um, And the story is that this town of Cardigan um, is about 4,000 people big um, and about 10%, like 400 people 
living in a village used to make uh, make jeans. Um, and from what I what I read, it's about thirty five thousand pairs of jeans they used to make um, back in the days. Um, but the factory got shut down. Um, but the current owners of um, high denim, David and Claire, um, they obviously notice all of this knowledge and um, and this huge skill set um, basically on their doorstep. Um, and um, yeah, so they, they decided to create um, Hyatt Denim Company. Um, they look like, as I said, I don't own a pair yet. It's definitely um, one of those brands that is on my list um, that I want to get um, one day. Um, but all their stuff just looks top-notch quality, like very, very good details. That majority of the stuff has a bit more modern cuts, um, so it's not necessarily your uh, your vintage look that you'll be getting from them. Um, but yeah, it's it's just amazing. I just love the story that you know they just turn this small uh, small town around um, and you know get the people to do what they what they love um, love doing. So. Yeah, shout out to uh, to Hyatt Denim. Yeah, the uh, the guy behind it um, was originally the uh, he was behind the skate brand Howie's. Oh, right. um, yeah, and then when that kind of closed off, and he, he decided to move into a new project, um, yeah, he did, he he stepped onto Hyatt. Yeah, and the old factory they took over, it used to be where Marks and Spencer's uh, made jeans. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. Yeah, I feel yeah. like maybe it's one of those products that you're paying a little bit more for the story as opposed to something super high quality. But, you know, like amazing brand and it's something admirable that you kind of revive in this whole town, essentially. Yeah. yeah they I do a like lot. Of... Go ahead. I was gonna say they do a lot of very cool um, kind of mini capsules. Yeah, uh, especially um, that they, they seem to be pushing a lot more uh, their women's line, which is um, recently. Unfor- unfor- yeah, unfortunately, in the raw denim world, um, is often quite neglected. I think by a mm. lot of brands. I believe that's because yeah. Meghan Markle uh, was shouting out about their jeans, and so when she endorsed them. They went gangbusters. That's 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 a very cool endorsement to have because that's going to get yeah. a lot of a lot of interest. Yeah, my mate who has a shop up in Manchester uh, wanted to stock them, and their wait was two years. <laughs> so <laughs> he couldn't. <Gee. laughs> yeah, I mean they do what from what I can see they do only do short runs. So it's only like every pair they make there's only like. 100 pairs of them or something um and then they go to to so um yeah the shout out i would like to do in a small brand i would like to highlight is a guy called charlie burrow and he's a luggage maker from east london so his instagram is charlie burrow workshop and his website is um charlieborrow.com and he basically has a little shop just off columbia road so around the bethnal green area where he makes handmade luggage and accessories um he's a really nice guy he does really really beautifully handcrafted stuff with really really thick heavy leather um and i think it's just a really nice little story everything's made in shops so basically you can go in you can see exactly where he makes it he has these really amazing old-fashioned machines um 
and you just get a really friendly personal service. I've only got one thing from him, and that's a uh, leather belt that my girlfriend got me for my birthday a couple of years ago. And this thing is solid. The belt itself was so thick that um, I started wearing it. Um, I started to get pins and needles in my legs for about two months because it was so solid. It was cutting off the blood supply. So I'd start wearing it one loop down until it softened up. But, I mean, this thing is quality and it will it will out, outlast me basically so it's a solid belt i never need to buy a black belt again which is it is a good thing um yeah so anyone listening i'd recommend checking out his instagram and seeing the sort of thing he does and if you happen to find yourself in east david we're back to you is there anyone else you'd like to mention yes yeah, so i'd like to give a second shout out to a company called steamboat leather um, so it's, it's run by my good buddy Vince in Steamboat Springs, Colorado. Um, so both Chris and, and Vince, the guys I've mentioned today, are, are friends I grew up with that um, are basically self-taught craftsmen. They, they both kind of taught themselves to what they needed to do to, to build their businesses. Um, but what Vince does is quite interesting is he's um, a predominantly leather-focused brand. Uh, he makes stuff for both men and women. So like he'll do women's bracelets and purses and earrings, but then also you know, men's belts and wallets and keychains and stuff. So he kind of covers uh, uh, everybody. But um, it's really interesting because he's kind of decided to dedicate himself to bison leather in particular. So he'll source really, really beautiful bison leathers, whether it's like, you know, Horween does bison chromexel, um, different European tanneries, um, Asian tanneries, American tanneries, and um, really has kind of an interesting sort of American West frontier town meets modern looks. So it's a, a, a bit more different um, than your kind of uh, traditional heritage and workwear look. It's a bit more contemporary, but also a bit more rustic. Um, and like my buddy Chris does, he also has a bunch of advocacy work uh, he does with American Prairie Reserve. Um, I've got a wallet and a keychain um, for Vince and, and really like his stuff. So uh, definitely recommend you check him out. His website's Coleman Haberdashery. Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, so I want to talk about uh, quite a, I suppose a quite a well-known brand actually within um, the raw denim scene. Though they don't make raw denim, it's another uh, leather goods brand, and that's uh, Pigeon Tree Crafting. So uh, another one-man band. Uh, this is a guy called Isaac, who is based, I think, in Denver now. He was based. Uh, kind of i think he was in california previously but he's moved to denver in colorado uh and he mostly makes belts um he does do a few other things uh, a few other kind of additions so he do key fobs uh, and uh key trays and stuff and he has a huge huge range of leathers available um everything is made to you know the highest of standards um in fact he's got his own uh patent on his um, uh, buckles um, because he's gone for a double, he has he uses a quick release prong uh, in most of his products. So for people who don't know that, what that means is effectively there's a, a couple of hinges added into the buckle. So um, you, instead of having to pull the belt up and having to unbuckle it like normal, you literally just flick uh, a catch at the bottom and it the buckle opens up so you can just quickly remove the belt. Uh, and it saves a bit of time. Uh, and his patent is a double pronged version of that, uh, which you know I, I've got um, in one of 
belts. I've got a couple of his belts. He does very some short runs as well as some kind of standard stock ones. So he did um, he did one where his brown leather painted black, so it would um, age similar to T-Core or um, the Klondike leather used by Red Wing. Um, he's also used um, uh, like a, an indigo Chanso leather, um, which he did in a very short run. Uh, I was lucky to get hold of one of those belts, um, which is absolutely uh, gorgeous. He's also done a number of collaborations with, um, I think some three, with the uh, Asian bootmaker Santalum. Um, so he's done a few, uh, few releases there, mostly in a service boot silhouette, but, you know, uh, the leathers that he's chosen for those have been, you know, really, really high quality and really interesting. And he, 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 he does some very interesting stuff there. He also does a lot of indigo dip dye stuff as well. Uh, you know, and he's really easy to talk to great communication again. I'm just checking his website and there's some mm. awesome stuff on there, like really yeah. interesting things like, um, and a huge range of things. Like mm -hmm. it's not, just belts or just yeah like there's this news um on magazine and record stand really yeah. cool fetch leather yeah i think a great guy mm. um i've got one of his uh belts which he did for me and he did like a dip dye with uh with indigo so a partial dip dye and a, a, a gradient mm -hmm. where it goes from dark yeah he does have a bit of a sorry sorry andy um i think now he's um he's only doing uh, indigo dyed i think maybe once or twice a year in mm. batches. Um, so if you do want one, I think, I think a batch is coming up now, I think. So, yeah. He, he posts up a lot of stuff on both his Facebook page and his Instagram feed, letting you know what leathers he's got in, if it's going to be a short run. Um, he's recently just got hold of some, uh, it was some English natural leather. And I think he had enough to make, 10 or 15 belts and they they went within the day um he's got quite a dedicated following and he um you know if, if you order from him he will let you know that there's going to be a backlog uh he's good with that his website will state very clearly anything hmm. ordered now you'll have to wait x amount of weeks for it because he's he's always kind of busy and, and to the point that i think he, that is his day job He's able to survive just making the leather goods instead of having to supplement it with other work, which is fantastic for him. That's amazing, yeah. It's worth, it looks like... um, it's worth mentioning his blog as well. Like he's recently started doing denim yeah. reviews, mm -hmm. and he reviewed the Tunaki, uh, sorry, Tanuki jeans using Oni Secret Denim as a collaboration in the regular mm -hmm. straight cut, and that's actually what decided or helped me decide to to try out the. Cool. So my um, second brand that I wanted to give a give a shout out um, back to my roots, you know, give uh, give our uh, uh, my homie Dutchies uh, a shout out. Um, it's a brand called Butts and Shoulders. Um, it's a it's a really interesting brand in that they do or the thing they started doing um, at first was um, veg tan leather boots. Um, so for people listening that don't necessarily know what fetch tan leather is, is it's, it's kind of like a, um, really light colored, um, leather, um, uh, which changes over time with wear. So very similar to how your jeans fade over time. 
Um, this is kind of like what happens with um, your vetched hand leather products as well. Um, yeah, and it just really caught my eye when I first saw them. Like, I don't think I'd ever seen anyone um, do um, vetched hand leather boots before. Um, so yeah, very, very cool brand. They, they do a lot more things now, um, but all of their products um, are made out of 100% natural um, vetched hand leather. So um, yeah, all of their products change over time um, and, and that'll be different per user as well. Um, so yeah, give them uh, give them a, a view on on Instagram. Yeah, they make some. Um, I've seen that their boots are really interesting, um, mm. especially once they've aged. I think for you know a layman or, or or kind of someone new to the scene, seeing a pair of natural vegetan boots, brand new, is quite a it's quite a shock to the system i think yeah. that it's, it's it can be quite intimidating for people it, but yeah like you said it's especially something like that it is it's the end product you get afterwards they've developed that they're, they're kind of what they make with um an end state in the mind which isn't the product that they're going to sell to you it's the product you're going to be wearing in a year two years time once you've you know you've given them a good beating and they've been out and exposed to the elements exactly yeah, as you say, it can be hard a little bit for people just coming into it. Um, but yeah, it, it seems like, I mean, like when they started off, it looked like they were definitely going for that, you know, denim head community, mm -hmm. um, people who already kind of like knew what um, letter like this would do. Um, but it seems like they're, they're broadening a little bit now, like they're becoming a bit more popular. Um, there's a famous in quotation marks Dutch singer um, who um, wears a pair as well um, so yeah that, that obviously makes it a bit more popular uh, within within the Netherlands so um, yeah but there's, there's some really interesting photos of, of the end result nowadays on um, on the Instagram which is uh, which is good for them obviously because that's a way for them to show those um, those new people who, who are just getting into it um, what the end result will will eventually look like. Does that pop something in Dutch or English? Uh, I'm pretty sure it's in Dutch. I'm not 100% sure. At some point. <laughs> uh, I can I've send some Dutch songs through music. if you want. <laughs> Do you have any of their products, uh, Kevin? No, no, I don't. With, with this, the thing with boots for me is I, I need to try them on. Um, I can't buy shoes without trying them on, especially boots. So, um, and yeah, I've, I've just never come across them um, in a shop or anything. Um, they haven't made it over to Australia yet, <laughs> but even like when, when I was still back in London, um, yeah, I think they only sold them um, in, in a place in Amsterdam at that point. So um, I missed the boat on that, but um you know, once we uh, we get back to Europe one day, um, they look they look very interesting, very um, good quality. So I'll definitely uh, definitely give them a try. Have you found any small brands in um, Australia? Mm, not really, to be honest. Like we, um, not necessarily fully hundred percent, but we've turned minimalist a little bit. Um, like we've been trying to. Uh, limit our purchasing um, of things 
um, also because when we do eventually move back to Europe, I don't want to be shipping a, a whole lot of stuff back again. Um, so we've been trying to limit that as much as as. That's a weird one. So I remember there used to be uh, Imperial denim in Australia, which mm. is like this really dope uh, kind of very, very small scale jeans maker. Like a first, the first unsamphorized jeans I ever owned were Imperial. Uh, they did some really dope collaborations with Selfedge years ago, probably about 10, almost 10 years ago now, maybe a bit less. But um, yeah, they just sort of disappeared. But I know they were Australia based. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're around anymore. No. I remember those. Um, I think seeing a pair of those collaborations heavily faded on the old raw denim site before it became Heddles was one of the things that really drew me into giving raw denim a shot. Yeah, I still got my both my indigo pair and my black pair and my, my black pair still has a lot of life left in them, but the indigo ones, I destroyed them and had to darn them a ton and even did some sashiko uh, patch repair to try and keep them alive. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's a shame they're not around anymore. Yeah. Actually, now, now that I'm thinking about it, um, going back to your question, Ilya, um, I do have one person actually who's um, is a guy called Troy, Troy Shea Handmade. Oh yeah, um, yeah. is his uh, Instagram handle. Mm -hmm. um, I met him, I think, like when we just arrived in um, in Sydney, um, Collection, one of the denim stores here in uh, in Sydney, did um, Pure Blue Japan meetup. So the guys from Pure Blue Japan were over, um, and they brought their whole new um, new lineup that year. Um, so I met him there, and it's it's a really really cool dude. Um, and what he basically does is he um, recreates vintage uh, baseball caps. Um, so very interesting. Like again, one of the things I've never seen done before. Um, so he just looks at. Um, basically old photographs um, and tries to recreate um, yeah different baseball caps from different eras um, just by looking at those at those photographs basically so it's really cool and he does some some like um, collaborations and and custom stuff as well um, he used to have a really cool denim um, uh, cap but um, that sold out very quickly so yeah I um, think I've seen his stuff and everything usually sells very quick really quick um, so, yeah yeah i know he's done collaborations with uh, actually mike uh, wild frontier goods um mm -hmm. i know he does hats with papa nui uh I, who i think is he is he based in australia or is he in new zealand i can't remember now he's in australia yeah oh, he used to be at least yeah hmm. or, um yeah so I'll, I'll very quickly mention Yuroko. actually there's another brand i want to talk about a bit more but um Yuroko, um are a very very tiny um husband and wife brand based in London who uh, use old vintage kimonos and uh, both they get hold of them uh, from Japan. They go out there and grab them and then they'll either sell them as they are or they will convert them into various other products. Um, so they do uh, scarves. Um, they've made some really interesting belts um, you know, and, and it's, it's kind of very small batch they'll have what they have once it's gone, they'll have to go back out to collect stuff because they've only got a very limited um, supply of um, products that they can use to create their items. Um, you know, they, they've made uh, Obi belts, which are kind of based around the, the traditional belt of a kimono, but are 
have a little bit more uh, give to them by having a, a kind of a strap on them so you can kind of let them uh, you, they're, they're more fit uh, adaptable to your body size instead of just having to get them changed uh, they also make some really good cool shibori scarves i think you've got one haven't you will you i do yes yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. and i've got a hat from them as well mm-hmm. uh, like a flat cap which they've uh, used the uh, vintage borrow fabric um so yeah really really nice guys as well yeah yeah, always on Spitalfield Market, so yeah. easy to get hold of. Um, but the other brand I wanted to talk about um, is Tactonic. So um, Tactonic is a single-man brand. I found out about it through uh, Well-Dressed Dad, um, who also runs the Garmology podcast. Um, and uh, Tactonic is run by a bloke called Philip. He's a German ex-military, former uh, Fallschirmjager, which, uh, for those of you who don't speak German, is he was a paratrooper, and he uh, left the military and started making items using camouflage fabric of various from various nations and various ages and stuff. Uh, and he makes messenger bags. He um, makes some very cool um, document or iPod pouches or iPad pouches. Sorry, um, using um, the survival suits from um, naval rescue teams and and kind of coast guard teams um which are really kind of rough and ready and kind of quite hard wearing um he's uh, also at the moment like a lot of other firms he's making a lot of face masks and you can go on there and he has a wide range of uh, camos so you can go from anything from uh, modern day uh multicam that you see on most militaries now going all the way back to kind of 1940s german amoeba pattern or splinter pattern uh you know southeast asian tiger stripe in its various forms uh french lizard pattern from the 1950s all these kind of uh, really interesting uh patterns that uh, are now kind of for the vast majority unfortunately consigned to the the history books he will get hold of those fabrics he's got dead stock stuff and he will then convert it into whatever people will send him fabric and he'll create items out of that so he's done a lot of messenger bags where people have sent him uh fabric from when they used to serve in the military or stuff they've picked up by going to vintage fairs uh you know kind of things like uh mitchell pattern shelter halves um like old ponchos um, old uniforms themselves uh he, he's been hunting for the old 19 i think it's 1960s bundesfair camouflage which is really really hard to get hold of you've basically got to spend a small fortune to get hold of it now and he's been using that to create uh satchels and he does everything at a very reasonable price um his um additions so kind of the buckles and the hooks are generally used from mil spec equipment so he uses stuff from uh parachutes and the, the kind of the, the harnesses for parachuting. So it's all kind of really well made and really rugged. Um, and, you know, he's, um, he, he's a very, very kind of active uh, guy on social media. And he's literally just now upgraded from a very, from kind of doing it in, I think he's effectively doing it in his bedroom or, or in a spare room to, he's now got a proper studio to do his work in. One more quick shout out I might add if, if you guys are still okay on time is um, there's a husband and wife team called Goblin Co. Uh, out of Portland. Um, the husband, Sean Aberg, is kind of a lo-fi, 70s, lowbrow kind of artist. So he does a bunch of kind of like punk rock meets 
um, I don't know, like Fink and a bunch of that kind of like crazy late 70s, early, early 80s artwork. Um, and he built this board game world called, called Dungeon Degenerates, which is all about kind of like really degenerate superheroes going around trying to save this really crazy world where everything's in like neon colors. And I don't really know how to put words to it, but just to say that you need to look up Dungeon Degenerates. Um, well, anyways, Sean, the artist, had a stroke about a year ago, and he's basically only just now getting to a point where he's learning to draw again. Like he's kind of lost his ability to, to function as an artist as he used to. Um, and his wife, Katie, helps co-run their business, uh, which is mostly about the board games, but not entirely. Um, and one thing she's been doing that's really cool is she's got a character called the Stitch Witch, and she has been a shibori dying cotton and then sewing them into face masks, so sort of like COVID masks. Um, and because of the process of dyeing it, sewing it, and selling it, they're quite limited runs. But if you go to the Goblin Co. Uh, website, that's G-O-B-L-I-N-K-O, she does these uh, shibori mask drops, which are really cool. Um, and I'm also just a huge, huge fan of her husband's artwork and his board game uh, world he's created, Dungeon Degenerate. So um, if you can find something there to support them, I think shop should i say <laughs> cool well on that note uh, i think we're ready to wrap up our discussion topic today of craft uh makers we appreciate and normally we would jump into a q a section but uh no new questions this week um but i might actually recommend um denim hunters just did a denim faq episode where um he goes through kind of the seven most common questions asked uh, to him about raw denim. So if folks want to get a good kind of information. So on that note, I think that concludes episode three of the Sons of Selvage podcast. Uh, please, by all means, um, take a couple minutes to review us and rate us on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Um, obviously, uh, please follow our Instagram account at Sons of Selvage Podcast. And please uh, shoot us an email at Sons of Selvage Podcast at gmail.com with any questions you have for next, next episode or uh, any feedback you'd like to share. And until then, uh, keep fading your jeans and breaking in your boots. And we'll talk to you all soon. I think we should set up a denim ASMR YouTube channel <laughs> and just like slowly rub our thighs or something. <laughs> oh man. Just please no farting in your jeans on, on yeah, I I I listened to a couple ASMR videos to try and kind of like see what it's all about. I, I just couldn't handle it. It's it too much. Weirds me out. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Such a wrong boner to have. <laughs> <laughs> it points downwards instead of up. Especially, especially in a 23 ounce pair. Golden <laughs> 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 like eights, man. Here we go. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's cock push ups. <laughs> You only, you only need to do one. You just need to do one. That's it. <laughs> All right, we've got Andy again. Oh yeah, that, that reminds me. While we get Andy back on, um, 
in general, I'm going to like keep a lot of the banter for uh, the end of each episode if it's like offensive and just in the episode description put that at the end of each episode, uh, we might get a bit more rowdy than during the normal content. So that way yeah. these little gems can be kept, but uh, not annoying too maybe, much. Maybe you can have some kind of cut where it says you're, you're, you're now entering the uh, the banter zone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So people are aware. Warner. Yeah. <laughs> if it's tame enough, I'll leave it in the episode. But yeah. if it's like if it yeah. gets racy, like porn or whatever, then my boner. <laughs> <laughs> Although Tom might, <laughs> Tom's basically uh, fight clubbing this whole episode. Instead <laughs> 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 of like peanut, dropping penis slides every uh, couple frames, it's uh, a bit of Tourette's. <laughs>